The Nick Holt Podcast. Well, the new patient-led group called Coverse is calling for more support for Australians who have experienced an injury after receiving a COVID-19 vaccine. This group of Aussies who have been injured by the vaccine will launch the nation's first non-for-profit organisation to raise awareness and remove barriers for patients who are seeking treatment for COVID-19 vaccine injuries. Coverse are advocates for Australians who have suffered and continue to suffer significant adverse reactions following their COVID-19 vaccination. Now, the group's primary goal is to boost treatment and support for people whose lives have been upended by adverse reactions. Despite known risks of these adverse reactions to the vaccines, there's currently no robust government or medical support for injured Australians. The organisation says that the time has come for a mature national discussion of vaccine adverse reactions and those who have been impacted by them without being called names like anti-vaxxers. Joining me uh, to discuss this and talk about it is the director of Coverse, Rado Faletic. Rado, thanks for coming on the program. Hey, thanks for inviting me on, Nick. So before we get into some questions about uh, some of the injuries themselves, how did this group come about? Um, So one of the things that happens when you have a vaccine injury is you'll quickly find there's very few people you can talk to. And one of the few ways we've been able to connect is through, let's say, clandestine methods on the internet. Um, We've set up, there've been support groups on Facebook Mm -hmm. uh, and other platforms. And we have to use code words and things like that, otherwise we get shut down. But that's essentially where we met. And the the further we progress, the further we realise that nobody else is taking care of the vaccine injured in Australia. Nobody's bringing this to the national attention. Nobody's providing resources to help us and our doctors work out what's wrong with us and to treat us. So we decided if nobody else is going to do it, we have to do something. And that's was the beginning of Coverse. A few of us got together. Uh, with a bit of a bee in our bonnet um, and in the in the midst of all our uh, various symptoms we're all suffering with we've we've put this organization together and slowly trying to piece together information and resources for people to to help them on their own journeys how many australians in terms of official reporting have reported or have been uh noted as experiencing or suffering from adverse effects from these vaccines so the Therapeutic Goods Administration, the TGA, is a federal government authority that collects or accepts voluntary reports from doctors and patients. And they have currently over 140-odd thousand reports of adverse reactions. Some of these are very mild. Some yeah. of them are extremely serious. Some of them are death. Um, but it's worthwhile pointing out that two things um, uh, that people need to be aware of about those numbers. Firstly, it's it's a small drop in the ocean to what is being seen out in the marketplace. And this is because um, sometimes doctors don't report um, for a number of reasons. Um, and sometimes patients who might have reported don't know that they are able to report. So so we, we anticipate, and this is historically a problem, not just with the COVID vaccines, but somewhere between... Uh, only about 10, maybe 20% of reports get submitted to the TGA. So you take that 140,000 uh, reports, you multiply it by 10, and that gives you a, a huge scale of 
of uh, mm-hmm. numbers. So that's the first thing to remember. And um, the uh, second thing is that um, they don't really give an indication of seriousness. That's what we're most interested in, is people who have had their lives upended um, by having a serious adverse reaction. Um, and so we would hope that the the government authorities look at those reports and give us a sense of, okay, this is how serious certain things are. And we know things like pericarditis, myocarditis, which have been in the news, they're serious. Yeah, we're, not, we're not yeah. talking. We're not talking about a rash on the arm here. That's exactly right. You know, these these are conditions that put people in hospital, um, and in some cases, some people have died from these types of conditions as well. So, um, unfortunately, what I've found with my reaction and everybody else's experienced a reaction like myself, we don't appear in any of those safety reports. Like I can look up my individual record, and I can see I'm there. But the the government doesn't tell the public that this could happen to you. And what I've experienced is by far more common than some of those other extreme reactions. Um, And so we've got to take their numbers with a little bit of caution, knowing that they might sound big, but we have no idea really of the the scale of problem that's, that's hidden in that data. So just a couple of questions off the back of that, Rado, is one, you mentioned that that for various reasons doctors aren't reporting this. I'd like to know if you have any thoughts as to why that is. And secondly, are you comfortable talking about what's what you've suffered from here? Yeah. So talking about the doctors first, there's there's three main reasons that doctors tell us um, that why they don't report it. The first thing is a bit of a circular problem going on. One is so. If, if you go to a doctor after having had a vaccination, you say, oh, look, doc, I'm feeling really rubbish. This is wrong with me. If the doctor doesn't think it's caused by the vaccine, they may not report it, even though in a lot of states, not all states, but in a lot of states, they're required to report it nevertheless. Um, but because they don't think it's connected, they might not report it. And by not reporting it, then the government doesn't have the full picture. And so they don't, they don't put out safety uh, notices. Um, and so mm. then doctors don't know that they should be looking out for it. And so they don't report it. So it's a vicious circle. So that's that's probably the main reason. The second reason is that doctors are pressed for time. And in some parts of the countries, you know, you've got to wait weeks and weeks mm-hmm. and weeks to see a doctor. And they're, they're banging them out, aren't they? Yeah. Exactly right. So, um, I mean, perhaps if they were paid or given some assistance to help fill out these reports or if they, if there was an easier pathway for them to to be able to get those reports done, then some of those doctors might, um, you know, be able to justify or, or, or take up the extra time to, to do those reports because they take, you know, 20, 30 minutes to fill out a report. Mind and you, that- though, they had, they had plenty of time to, uh, to diagnose COVID when that was um, of expedience to the government. Yeah, well, that's a separate issue. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I won't get into the COVID. That's a, that's a whole I, different area of I'm politics. I'm being casually facetious there. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's it's sort of a it's a funny dynamic where if you walk, rock up to hospital and you've got all these symptoms, they say, yeah, it's COVID. You know, if something serious happens to you, you end up with, say, heart inflammation and you had COVID, then it's not a, not a question. You got that from COVID. But if you that's right, rocked yeah, that's up right. after a vaccine... You've got to prove any, everything. As the patient, you've got to prove everything. Yeah, yeah. Nobody will believe you, and that's that's sort of uh, one of our challenges. 
So let's get to you then, and, and on on the back there, your what you've suffered from here, Rado. Yeah. So uh, everything. <laughs> the, the the easy description is I've had a monster long COVID reaction. Um, although you know I have had COVID since. So that, that was about six months after my injections. But prior to that, I did not have COVID. So what I reacted to was the vaccine. Um, this is now documented in the scientific literature, even though our government does not acknowledge it, um, that vac these vaccines, all of them, not just Pfizer, not just AstraZeneca, all of them can cause long COVID-like conditions. Um, probably the most serious ones have been neurological. I've had uh, what they call brain fog. And the easy way to describe it is um, imagine doing a simple sum, you know, one plus one equals two. Imagine starting off that calculation, say one plus one, but you've forgotten what the first number was. Mm. So it doesn't matter what the second number is. So you've got to go back to the beginning again. Okay, let's start again. One plus one. Wow. Where was I? And that's, that's the type Almost of- Almost dementia, right? Exactly right. Exactly right. And some people are being diagnosed with some of those degenerative neurological problems, um, which may or may not be happening, but it's it's a symptom of, of you know, this long, we call it long vaccine, which is, you know, long COVID from the, yeah, long COVID from the vac. So, um, so I've had that. I've had some very clear memory loss. Um, some, some days, yesterday was a shocker. I had trouble with my words, just remembering simple words. You know, the cat sat on the What's that thing that a cat mm. sits on, you know? Mm. Um, but in, Really quite in, serious, quite serious yeah, stuff. I can imagine that would be quite uh, quite scary at times, not being able to recall basic information. Absolutely. Yeah, very scary. And for someone like myself, who I've always had a really good memory, particularly for small small insignificant details and numbers, it's, uh, it's just a completely upended you know, the way I operate. So they're not... Not only are they um, making it difficult for this to be diagnosed, they're also, in many ways, um, well, they're certainly underreporting. You can ex you can you know extrapolate from that as to whether that's malfeasance or whatnot. That's not really for me to decide. But th there is a clear case of underreporting here, which is is quite serious negligence on behalf of the TGA. Yeah, I I think so. Um a lot of us, and I would, I would think it's fair to say every vaccine injured person I've spoken with has tried to communicate with the TTA. Um, when when all this stuff happened to me initially, and I submitted my report to the TGA because none of my doctors did, <laughs> I had to do it myself. I expected that, geez, this is a serious reaction. They would want to look into this, and all I got back was thank you for your email. So I tried to engage with them. I, I sent back some updates. You know, this is how I'm progressing, or rather, this is how. I, I'm declining, you know, and um, mm. and and at the other end, they 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 throw up all sorts of reasons, you know. We can't diagnose you, we can't help you. And I said, look, me and my doctors need to know what's going on. They got no idea what's wrong with me. They got no idea what to test for because all the tests come back perfect. Um, and we we go to specialists, blood tests, scans, all sorts of things, and nothing shows up. So we need the TGA to tell us what's going on. And they said, well, we're not in the business of diagnosing patients. You know, you've got to go and speak to your doctors. So it's a, it's a horrible, um, you know, nobody is taking any responsibility. No accountability. Exactly yeah. right. And 
my my background's science. I have a PhD in rocket science, of all all things. Okay. I um yeah. and, and I've spent the last you know fifteen twenty years working with scientific organisations all over the world, with with big projects of of one kind or another, and so I know a few people in the scientific industry, and and I reached out to a lot of my mates and said, look, can you help me? What's going on? And whilst none of them had relevant expertise to help me, they all tried to find people in their fields, you know, and I just got gaslit. You know, people f- mm-hmm. from some of our major scientific institutions got back to me and they said, no, nah, this can't happen from the vaccine. You must have had COVID. No, I haven't had COVID. I've got the PCR test to prove it. I've got negative blood tests to prove it. Um, I did not have COVID. I did not have anything else. It was the vaccine. Yeah, it's difficult to communicate with those people. Many people were captured by, and, and you know, in, in, in fairness, it's not necessarily their their fault. There was a there was a blanket kind of global propaganda operation from the very beginning of uh, whether or not it was by design or simply a phenomenon. There was twenty four seven news coverage of this thing is going to kill you. Um, so of course, people were desperate to find an answer for or a preventative to stop that stop them from being killed, and the vaccine was delivered as the solution. And I think it's been very difficult for people to view it in any other way than purely a a great solution that would give them their freedom back. Uh, I think this sort of thing is going to take time. So it's very good that I was very impressed and surprised that I got a, a press release from you guys because gen- there are a lot of people in this space, but they're, they're quite deep into it. They're the followers of um, people like Peter McCulloch and Dr. Robert Malone uh, and a lot of people who are perhaps more unaware of of some of the um, scientific problems with all of this, they don't have an avenue to be told that, no, people are getting hurt and we need to do something as a community to help them. And I think that that is what, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's essentially what your organisation is doing here. That's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And those those other characters you mentioned, you know, Peter McCullough and Robert Malone, they, you know, they they put out great information, but they're not vaccine injured. They're, they're not speaking for us. They're speaking for themselves and their own expertise, and they have a lot to contribute. But who's speaking for us? And that's that's part of our motivation was to ensure that our concerns and our perspectives were being properly represented. Um, and so the organisation speaks with the voice of the vax injured for the vax injured. And, um, I think that's that's something that's quite unique. Um, Are you getting a lot of contact? Absolutely, yeah. So yeah. We, uh, we've we got um, – the interesting thing is when, when we first started, we'd already had some um, – uh, contacts with some some pretty impressive doctors and scientists across Australia, but once we launched and started reaching out, there we had a lot more people um, uh, have interest in it. You know, not and not just because of who we are and what we represent, but because some of these people they had nowhere else to go before they were injured themselves. Um, and I think uh, uh, so. You know, some of the people who have got serious conditions, like like myself, I think Australians would be surprised at who some of these people are. You know, all levels of society. Uh, people are suffering all sorts of problems. So how do people find 
your organisation, Rana? What's the best way to get in touch if, if, if they're a little bit um, hesitant about coming forward, perhaps? So our website is the, the easiest place. It's coverse, C-O-V-E-R-S-E dot org dot A-U. And um, yeah, people can jump on there. Um, if somebody has a vaccine injury, we'd, we'd love for them to register with us. Um, you don't have to provide any, um, you know, your exact details. If you're worried about privacy, give us a fake name, set up a separate email address if you want to do that. And some people have, you know, we've had some journalists and some some doctors who've done that because they want to protect their privacy. So um, what we're interested in is making sure we have an amb- avenue to connect with, with the vax injured um, and that uh, we can collect some data so that we have robust information um, with which to make our, our arguments to government. You know, I'd, I'd love to have access to the TGA's data, but <laughs> you know, for, pri- for privacy reasons, that's not going to happen. Nah. Um, so, so we've got to collect our own. It would be extraordinary. It is. It, it would be. So one good thing about doing it our own way is we're able to collect stories as well. And um, in the in the near future, we're going to be starting to put some of that together to, to, to try and capture the the human impact of these vaccines you know and there's some cases where you know there, there are both parents in the family are, are suffering a vaccine injury and they've got young kids um, and other cases you've got business people who whose businesses have basically died because they they can't get any compensation they they got no um, other financial avenues um, to help them so the injury has basically killed their financial future so so we want to make sure that these people's voices are properly represented and that we can communicate to not only the Australian public, but the government and, and scientific organisations, just how much of an impact this really is. Okay, well, if you've been injured by a COVID-19 vaccine or you know someone who's been injured and you have some uh, either data statistics or even anecdotal stories to share, make sure you go to coverse.org.au, C-O-V-E-R-S-E.org.au. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I think it's great what you're doing. Cheers. Thanks very much, Nick. The Nick Holt Podcast. If you want to hear more great content like this, go to my Substack page and subscribe, nickholt.substack.com forward slash subscribe.